we are still continuing to, to do what we need to do here, and we want to be careful. We have so many brothers and sisters. I, I could almost cry thinking of brothers and sisters in the Lord and uh, pastor friends. They're brothers of mine that, that are dealing with, with uh, death in their church, church as a result of this and sickness. And, and you know, uh, many have had to go back to just streaming temporarily and not being able to gather in person. And my heart weeps and breaks for them. So I do, I, I pray for dear brothers in the Lord. And, and I, today, um, God has laid something on my heart since last Sunday afternoon that I, wanna, I want to bring to you because when I finally got home and the, I just listened to the Lord for a minute and he had been dealing with me for a while about um, a subject that I've been bringing and just kind of it's been working its way into different uh, messages and on the seven love letters we've been doing on Wednesday night. And, and God just had a, a real brief, but he had a, uh, a little talk with me. And he said, you know that thing, and I'll tell you what it is, uh, in John 6 that you've been kind of mentioning it, mentioning it you need to uh, dwell on that. You, you, now, he said it like this. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, you need, to dwell, you need to dwell on this, and then I need for you to dwell together with the church on this. And I'll get to it. It's, it's a lengthy chapter, about 70 verses, and... Um, I'm going to kind of give you different parts of it this morning, but folks, the closer we get to the return of the Lord, and you know, I watched a short video late last night, well, you know, late for old people, 9 o'clock, it was late, way late on Saturday night, mind you, and I watched this video, and it's about the surge and over in Sweden, and when we were in the series, uh, what's happening? And and you know, I may I feel led. I may just make those uh, links available again because that's been sitting for about two months. But all the all the sources, because all those things are still active, and we may make those. But I'll, I'll share that later. But the whole country of Sweden is almost completely uh, digital. In the, in the form of either something about the size of a grain of rice in the person's right hand uh, or maybe another place in their wrist or hand and all that. And all the transactions are made. And the video that I was watching, uh, this one individual who was kind of um, being interviewed or given an explanation of everything was just showing how easy it was for him to, you know, walk into work and be scanned with his hand. If he wanted something out of the drink machine, drink box, he would just uh, scan his hand with the reader they had there, and it, it took care of him. It, has, it had his health information on there. His bank, his wallet, I need to say it like that because that's a term that's on phones, and you understand that when I say wallet, if you have wallet on your phone. Um, and he was just showing how convenient it was, and the only reason I'm bringing this up before we look at this scripture is that I need to tell you that as we get closer to more of that, and as we see more conditioning of the human race, we've seen it in uh, a little bit, but you're going to see it much more in, in other ways. And it's going to be hidden under different headings and different reasons and different concerns. And, you, and, and we're going to see more of this until the Lord returns after the church. When the Lord returns after the church, there will be a few people that, that go home that is no longer a part of, of this current system. And so... You know, I'm trying my best to stay personally focused, and as a shepherd, I, I want to only bring, knowing all of this, I only want to bring to the table, if you will, 
what I believe God wants us to know and focus on more than anything else because the Bible is slam full of all kind of good things and there wouldn't be anything wrong with preaching Genesis to Revelation. But I do believe there are special, specific words that we need to hear and we need to hear those right now. When I talked to you last Sunday morning, I spoke about Jesus and his flesh being blood, his flesh being bread, and his blood being drink. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But what Jesus was doing, and this is one of the things that scares me to death because I think Jesus has told us over and over again, and, and we just we can't get it. I mean, we can't grasp it. And I mean the church. I don't even mean the lost in the world. I mean the church. I believe we've gotten so used to hearing the Word of God that, that we just miss, we, we miss things, and God has said, well, I've done this, I've done that. And when he told those people that, you know, if you want life, you, you, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, you know, we read on down in that chapter, and, and many disciples, the Bible says, said it was too hard. And for my whole life as a pastor uh, or, or a preacher, I've always thought that they just couldn't get a hold of the fact that Jesus wasn't talking about drinking his blood out of his veins or cutting off a piece of his elbow or his finger and, or a little piece of his skin and consuming that. I now believe that Jesus made it very clear what he was talking about. And although it might have been hidden to some, I believe his disciples knew that Jesus was demanding a, a narrow focus and a specific diet. And that's what I'm going to be mentioning a lot. And they didn't want to commit. And I'll tell you this, I believe what I'm presenting right now because of the rich young ruler for one, when he said, you've done all these other things, but there's one, I think that was a hard saying. I think the rich young ruler didn't want to give his money up and feed the poor and just let Jesus be his leader and Jesus be his supplier. I think he was way too comfortable with his own personal achievements and being able to supply his own needs. And he said, well, that's a hard saying. And the Bible says he walked away. So let's Let's go somewhere in this sixth chapter, and we're going to actually look at verse 26. And while you're getting to verse 26, I want to tell you, Jesus has already, uh, the time of Passover was close, and so he had ran across a situation where there was over 5,000 people besides men. There was 5,000 men plus wives and children, and they didn't have any food to eat. And I know this is so, so familiar. But one of the disciples said, well, there's a lad here that's got five loaves and two fish. He said, make everybody sit down. And you know the rest of the story. He took the bread and the fish. He presented it to the Father and said, I need you to bless this. Well, he gave thanks is what the Bible says. And then he broke it, distributed it, and... He took up 12, they took up 12 baskets full of leftovers after all that. So that had took place. Then Jesus told his disciples to go on across the water to Capernaum. And what happened then was he stayed back on purpose. He stayed back. And he later on in the middle of the night went walking on the water to these disciples they thought it was a ghost, and it scared the life out of them. And he said, it's, it's me. Don't, don't freak out. Don't be afraid. So he got into the boat, and this sixth chapter says immediately they were at their destination on land when he got into the boat. And so a group of people that saw Jesus get into the boat, or, or rather was part of the feeding the previous day, found out he wasn't there. They got in a boat. They sailed to Capernaum where he was. 
And so they followed him, and Jesus told them in verse 26, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, they were looking for him. He said, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. They were seeking Jesus because he Santa Claus them. That's the way they perceived it. Oh, he met a need. He took, we were hungry today. He took care of us today. So let's go find him, not so we can eat his flesh and drink his blood, but just so he can fill our temporary need right now. And Jesus said, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. So Jesus said, listen, quit following me, asking me just to do something that's only going to last right now. He said, there's something that you can receive of me that will last not just your mortal life, but it will last for all eternity. He said, that's what you ought to be going after. That's what you ought to be coming and petitioning me for is something that will last. And, and then it's like, verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And he just told them, you need to ask me. So Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him. So it had nothing to do with bread or blood and flesh. He said that you believe in him who sent. That's where he was trying to get everybody. And so verse 30 says, Therefore they said unto him, What sign will, will you perform that we may see it and believe you? Uh, what work will you do? And I can imagine him saying, What, 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 what sign? What? 5,000 people, uh, two fish, not even king mackerel, two fish, five loaves of bread, walking on sign, what sign? You need another sign? And this is what they said. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Still going over their heads. So he said, I am the bread. Let's cut to the chase, folks. I am the bread. He who comes to me. It's not about you doing works with your hand. It's not about me doing another sign that you want me to do for you that's only going to last about a day. He said, he who comes to me shall never hunger. You got to go to him. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And then the Jews, the folks around him, he made it clear. They kept on complaining. They kept going through all of this. And so the Bible says that over in verse 48, once again, he cuts to the chase. He says, <clears throat> I am the bread of life. And he might have been kind of angry by then. I don't know. Or he could have had a Mr. Rogers tone. But he had already told him once or twice, I am the bread of life. 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 Your fathers ate the manna. You know that story? That it came down from heaven, manna. Not me, but manna came down. Bread, bread, little pieces of bread, wafers of bread came down from heaven. They ate that manna, but they're dead. This is the bread, he said in verse 50, which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. He was saying, this is the bread that left the right hand of the father, came down as a babe in the manger, born to a carpenter, and born of a virgin, 
and here I am before you all today. He said, I came down from heaven, and I am the bread, and I'm not just the temporary one-day bread that your fathers ate or that you ate on the other side of Capernaum. I am the real bread. I am the eternal bread, he said, and I am the living bread. Everybody else that's ate all this bread, they died. If you just keep wanting daily bread that just fills your mortal bodies up, he said, you're going to die. But I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh. And this is where he was making it clear, but the people, I'm not blaming the people, the 5,000 even, or the 10,000, ever how many the total amount was. The disciples that he had already revealed many things to, the disciples that were part of the miracles, he is the one. They are the ones that he had told, he, he had explained in private, He had demonstrated who he was. He had witnessed to them personally who he was. And Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, this bread, he will live forever. Because I'm giving my flesh. And what he was saying, folks, yes, I did come down from heaven like the early manna, but that was temporary that you consume. And then as the Bible says, it's eliminated in a matter of time, if you know what I mean. He said, but I came down from heaven as a babe in a manger, and I'm going to give my flesh after these three years of ministry on a cross. I'm going to be nailed, not just my uh, talk, but my actual flesh. I'm giving my flesh for you so that you can consume me after I am killed and I rise three days later, you can receive this bread, you can receive this blood, and you will have eternal life. That's what he was saying, and they didn't get it. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, and that's where we are, folks, and I'm, I'm going to go on, but I want to tell you, our minds are so, that's why I talked about conditioning a while ago. I thank God for all of you that are here. And I heard another pastor say this last week. He said it like this, of a church so much larger than this church. He said, I've already accepted the fact that there's some people I'll never see again. I already accept the fact that some people will never ever come back to church. And it's not because they're worried about COVID or that they're high risk. He said, they become comfortable and it's been a very convenient thing that they can use. He said, and I've accepted that I'll never see. And this is a man that pastors way over 10,000 people has said this. And so this is why one of the main reasons God is driving us this. Because I believe a lot of people I've pastored since 1997, November of 1997, have never ate the flesh or drank the blood. I think they've ate the manna. And I I, I think they've ate the fish and the loaves. Oh, yeah. I think they've asked for God to prosper their pocketbook and take care of their families and open doors for them and do all kinds of things that are temporary, that are not going to last. But I'm under the conviction that a lot of people that I've pastored in whatever 20 years, I don't know how many years, 23 years, that they've just not eat nor drank the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. So this is what he said. Whoever eats my flesh, well, no, let me go back. Verse 53 said, Most assuredly, I say to you that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's the people that are going to be able to experience that group of few that I talked about, that remnant, that not the crowd, but the crew those people who have actually ate the flesh of Jesus and drank his blood, those are the people that's actually been consumed by Jesus and not anything else in this world. He said, verse 55, my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink. And this right here 
really answers the question, maybe for some of you, but maybe for a lot of people that are not here or just people in the body or in church. I don't want to say the body of Christ. I want to say just people that are in churches or at one point were associated with churches that they are so weak, they are so spiritually malnourished that they can't even pray, let alone rebuke a demon because they have not been able or they have not... uh, demanded that their appetite be Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. And I will tell all of us that if we do not consume Jesus every day of our life, you will watch yourself open the door and give in to temptation. You will watch yourself slide down a road and a path. You swore, not in a swearing way, but you affirmed that you would never go down. And it's because the spirit is willing, the Bible says, but the flesh is weak. And the only way you can fight against the flesh, folks, are you hearing me, is to feed yourself what Jesus said is life and Jesus is life. You can't always go around pretending that it's all good and it's going to be good because you always eat fish and you always eat bread or you always eat manna that's falling down. Jesus is saying, no, you can't just live off of paying tithes remotely and watching online remotely and letting the preacher pray or the prayer chain pray or everybody else do anything you've got to eat me for yourself or you won't have any life and you won't be found in that group of few hey let me just take a quick pulse is it getting on to a hard saying yet are we getting on any type of hard saying yet any type at all i just want to take the pulse of the people he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me Uh uh-oh Oh, my word. Did you hear what the Lord just said? Here we go. This is why we don't have to touch what I said a week ago, wheat and tares. You don't have to do that. Verse 56 just kind of just opens the door. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. So if you find yourself or you have found yourself before you got on fire, or you started really consuming Jesus because you see the signs that he's already given you, you need another sign, you need another blue moon, blood moon, you need another, you don't need a blue moon because that, that's depression. But you've seen blood moon, you need another pandemic, you need another uh, uh, economy shutdown, you, you need another riot, you need another person shot, raped, murdered, aborted. What, what, what other sign do you need is what the Lord is saying. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. So if you find yourself not making Jesus' decisions, real simple answer there. You don't need to ask for prayer. The Word's already answered it. You don't have to spend one second praying about, God, what's wrong? You hadn't have been abiding in Him. You've been eating manna. You've been eating fish, daily, temporary things. As the Father... The living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. So people that are dying and always need prayer, always need prayer, always need prayer, always need prayer that are dying, it's because they are not feeding on him. When you don't feed on Jesus, you're not going to regurgitate Jesus. You're not going to say what Jesus said. You're not going to make Jesus' decisions around your friends when they're putting all kind of peer pressure on you. You're not going to stand up for Jesus when everybody at work is against this or for that or they laugh at all of this. You're not going to make those kind of decisions on the spur of the moment because you don't feed on Him. When you don't feed on Him, you look like them. I didn't even mean to rhyme that. Somebody write that down because I won't be able to write it down. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And again, can I say it one more time? Because when you eat the bread, when you say, Jesus, you're all I want, you're all I need, I'm not interested in anything else. I don't care about money. I don't care about what people think about me. I don't even care. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to achieve, but I don't even care about personal achievements anymore just so people can gloat. I don't care about posting things just so people will massage me. I don't care about that. All I want is you 
and I want you to know that's all I want. And when you feel that way, the whole world around you will witness it firsthand. That's all you care about. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a, say it with me, hard saying. Who can understand it? Now, what Jesus was saying, are y'all ready? Billy, with a bad shoulders, nodding his head, he's ready. But is everybody else ready? All right, here we go. This whole message is right here in what I just told you about a hard saying. When you go to a restaurant, they will ask you when you order the main dish, okay, what sides do you want? Now, if you go up the street to the steakhouse, oh, you sure you don't want that thing lathered in butter and cinnamon and sugar? Uh, you sure you don't want, hey, just putting it out there, sometimes I can take a bath in it. But listen, they tell you that because they can upcharge all this stuff, all right? But they ask you what sides do you want. Oh, you get two sides with that. A lot of people treat Jesus instead of like he's the only meal, the only meal, I about fell out right then, and it wasn't because of the Spirit. A lot of people treat Jesus like he is not the only steak on the menu, not lobster tail, not anything else, but a lot of people treat Jesus like he's a side dish. I just want him, maybe, but I don't even really, I, I'm only getting him because it comes with the meal. I'm only just praying just because Christians can pray. I'm only just reading my Bible, but I don't need the Bible, you see. I don't really need to pray because life's going good. I'm making a lot of money. I've got a lot of influence. A lot of people like me. I got a lot of abilities, a lot of talents, uh, or I know a lot of people. And I really don't need that as my main dish, you see, Opie, because it might affect me professionally or it might perfect me uh, or uh, affect me, rather, in my... Uh, at my school or where I attend school or, or in my circle. And so it's okay because, you know, it's politically correct to have a higher power, amen? It's even politically correct to say God because there's all kind of gods. Oh, we can go through the list if you want to. Oh, Harry Krishna, we can go through Buddha. We can go through Muhammad. We, uh, Muhammad. we can go through the whole list. So you can say God, and it means that. But when you say, no, Jesus Christ is the Savior of my life, and he's all I want. Ever since I've tasted and seen that he's good, I can tell you for a fact that he's good, and I'm not interested in him being a little side dish. I want you to know that he's all I eat. Don't look at me like I'm a fool when I tell you I go to church on Wednesday night. Don't look at me when I tell you, no, I can't do that on Sunday. We got six other days. If you want to take a day off of work, we'll do it. But we ain't doing that during God's day. That's why people don't understand because that kind of little small group of people, if you can find somebody like that, he's no longer a side dish. He's not the cold-breaded okra that no Nobody wants because it don't taste like your mama's okra, okay? He is the only thing that they eat. In fact, they don't even have any other sides. He's the only steak. He is the only lobster. He is the only ribs. He is the only chicken and pastries. He is the only apple pie. He is the only banana pudding. He's the only thing in their life, and they don't care if you know it, and they don't care if you ever talk to them again because Jesus is their menu. Amen. He is. So, he said this, verse 61. <laughs> when he knew it, his disciples complained about this. So, Lord, now listen, I know that Matthew left the, you know, the tax booth, and I know that Peter and all those guys, that they quit fishing and all that, but you really want everything from me? And, I mean, you want me to just you, I mean, exclusive you? Now, we're talking about his disciples. We all understand this, right? Hallelujah. I feel the Lord. Listen, so God help me. He said, yes, sir. 
I want you to only know my name because my name, whether you realize it or not, guys, is the only name that has power over everything in this earth and you're going to face some of everything sometime. So I don't care if you don't want to give that up. I don't care if somebody else at another church or another pastor has preached that it's okay and they've twisted the Bible enough to get it to fit so people don't get mad. I'm telling you that if you want to eat my name and have the rights and privileges and benefits of my name, it's got to be all me or it can't be none of me. And a lot of people, when the trumpet sounds, are going to be heartbroken a little bit too late. They're going to be confused because they cast out demons in his name. They, oh, they, they fed the sick, I mean fed the poor. They helped heal the sick. They did all kind of spiritual things, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. He, he said, we did all these things. He said, but I never knew you because you were just a fish and loaves person. You were just a side dish, hallelujah. You were just a side dish type of Christian, you see. Side dish Christians don't make it in. Oh, no, Jesus is my only menu. Jesus is my only meal. Jesus, that's the people that's going to go home. Hey, let me ask you something. Is it a hard saying yet? I'm asking you now, not being funny. I'm asking you, is it getting a little hard yet? The Bible says that he, it ought not to be hard. Now, I quoted this when the praise team practiced Wednesday night. You don't have it, so just listen. It's out of Psalm 103, verse 10. He said, he hath not dealt with us, David says, according to our sins. He hasn't uh, rewarded us according to our iniquities, meaning he hadn't given any of us what we deserve. Amen? He, he hadn't even scratched the surface Surface on what he should be dealing with, Opie Swales, because I have treated him bad even as a believer. I've ignored him. I've pushed him aside as a side so many times because everybody knew I was still a preacher. Everybody knew I was still a Christian. But in my own walk, in my own life, I have, and he knows I have, treated him as a side. He hadn't given me what I've deserved. He hadn't re rewarded me. The Bible says that when you take on this mind, when you get to the place where Jesus is all you want, you understand that when he said, I'm nailing myself to a cross because I didn't have to do this. I'm allowing my flesh to be treated. I'm allowing them to rip the meat off of my back where my rib cage and my spinal cord is exposed. I'm allowing them to take a sword and pierce my side till every ounce of fluid comes out of my body. I'm allowing them to strip me naked in front of my mama and my brothers and my cousins and strangers on a hill, on a cross. I'm allowing them to take... A, What's equivalent to 16 penny nails in a thorn? And I'm allowing them to pierce my skull with this. I'm allowing them to do this for you. And folks, when we get to the place where we want that kind of Jesus and we eat that kind of Jesus, and if you can't do anything else but get up every morning before your feet move toward the coffee pot and you just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your flesh for me on the cross. It will at least help you reel things back into perspective and know that you ought to be a humble brother that day. You ought to be a humble sister that day because he ain't giving you what you deserve. He gave you what you didn't deserve. And that's where his flesh and his blood and his body on a cross. And when you get to that place, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 16, when he's talking about the whole armor of God, he said, above all, you can take, because I'm preaching about faith this morning, you can take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we're losing battles left and right because we are not walking in faith. We are prop, not properly uh, 
clothed with the whole armor of God and you will never get clothed with the whole armor of God if Jesus is not the only thing that satisfies you. You're going to get hit left and right. He's going to give you dart after dart. You're not going to be able to quench because you cannot get your fingers. You can't get your hand around that shield of faith because you don't care about that kind of stuff. You like manna. You like fish. You like bread. You like a temporary thing. And you want to see more water walking. You want to see more crowds fed. You're not, you're not really interested in just seeing Jesus by yourself in a prayer closet. Hallelujah. You're not interested in just letting the Lord hear you and not like the old foolish scribes on the corner of the street talking for their fancy words. You're not interested in that. If nobody don't know your name, you ain't got time for Jesus. But you got to get to a point, folks, where you got to connect this stuff together. Look, if I don't consume Jesus, I'm going to walk around a weak old nothing and all of hell's going to laugh at me and pick at me and spit on me and talk me to, into doing all kind of foolish things. If I don't eat all of Jesus, if he's not just my menu, I'm not going to be able to get my hand on that shield of faith and fight the devil when he comes comes at me like a flood. I've got to get to a place where I don't care what it takes. I just want Jesus and that's it. And you got to want Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse 61 again, and I'm closing, he said when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained. I think we've done enough of that in our lifetime, amen? We've done enough of complaining, folks. Talk to the lady over there that's lost two family members this week to COVID. Talk to James and his family that's up there that's making arrangements this morning. Talk to the police officer that was beat for 11 minutes down here in Roland or Red Springs or wherever it was. Talk to him. Amen? Talk to the martyrs for Christ that are burned at the stake over in Syria, in Sudan. All right? We've done enough complaining. We haven't gotten what we deserved. Amen? He has not rewarded me according to my iniquities, but he has, the opposite of that, he has allowed his own body to be tortured. So when he knew that they were complaining and murmuring, he said, what then? If you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, that's not going to be good enough? Is what? Because he was about to ascend, you know, after his resurrection. He said, it is the Spirit, and this is where we have to focus. It is the Spirit who gives life. It's not a temporary blessing. It's not me giving you more money so you can be even farther away from God. He says, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit. They are life. He told them right then, and I'm telling you right now. Again, he reiterated, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. It's not about meat on a bone. It's not about blood that's in my body. He said, the words that I am speaking to you, so if they didn't get it right then, Jesus spelled it out for them. I'm telling you, I'm talking to you in spiritual terms, men, and you need to understand me in spiritual terms. And when you understand me in spiritual ter terms, you won't ask me for all this foolish stuff that I've already showed you and I've already proved to you before. So, but there are some of you who do not believe, he said in verse 64. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. We always talk about Judas. Oh, but there were so many more people than Judas that betrayed Jesus, you see. But there are some of you who don't believe. And he said, therefore, in verse 65, I said to you that no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the 12, do you, do you also want to go away? And Peter said, Lord, 
To whom shall we go? Where you, where, where you go? If you don't go to Jesus right now, where, where are you going to go? Call, tell me his name. John, I mean Joe, Donald, Roy, um, Dan. Call, call his name. Call his name. Call her name. Call their name. Where, where, where are you going to run? Where are you going to run? Peter said, Lord, you are the ones that have the words of eternal life. There are three ingredients you have to have if you're going to do this. If you're going to live the rest of your life victorious, I don't mean as a church attender. We need to ask God to purge us from that. There are three things that Jesus mentioned when he mentioned blood and bread that keeps us sustained. And now I'm going to tell you what they are because you might say, well, preacher, I don't, I don't understand when you say if it's not the blood in his actual flesh, what is it? Well, he, he said it. It's, it's defined in three W's. And you've got to listen because I purposely didn't give them to Derek this morning. Number one is your worship. I heard somebody say yesterday, not being ugly at all. They were singing some songs. The place we were, they had all kind of mess blaring. And it's about to get hard again. If, if you missed this hard part last week, I got about, that's my daddy, I got about that much of it left over, so I'm going to serve it again right now. But the person said, you don't listen to country music. I know they ain't talking to me. Because they, they could, uh, I mean, they could rattle them off. Oh, lyric tune after tune. It was good. And I'm not, I'm not bashing this person at all, at all. I'm just saying, God, help me to remember that at any moment, I can... I can feel everything from entertainment to pleasure to everything under the sun in my life with everything but you and not think a thing about it. Did y'all hear what I just said? But here's the problem with that. If it doesn't glorify and honor God, you're going to be spiritually malnourished that day. Don't matter if you heard this message today. You go put all that stuff in you, that's death. Our, our fathers ate manna from heaven. That They're dead. Does anybody hear me today at all? I need you to do something just so it's kind of like be comatose on me today. I've been doing this for like seven months. I need some life in this house this morning. Wave your hands, shake your head, stomp your foot. You ain't got to clap for me, but I just need to know there is a pulse in this building today. Because it don't, thank you, Gene, I love you. It, 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 it does me no good to keep doing this if you're just listening to a lecture today. I want you to understand that if you do not eat Jesus Christ every day of your life, it's going to cost you in some way you cannot afford. And your worship is a big part of your walk with the Lord. That ain't the second W, by the way. Worship is what Satan was used to being and I just mentioned this, but I'm going to say it again. It was what he was used to being in control over in heaven. Worship. 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 So, friends, that's why he owns the entertainment industry. He owns that. He says who rises and he says who falls. He says who's going to be a breakout artist and who's going to sell millions and have billions. And he says who's not going to do it. He does it. It's all on his call. So when you are a worshiper of the Lord, then what you do, you counterattack any other kind of foolish stuff that would come out of you that he would say, oh, well, they're worshiping me today because I'm over all that. Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with it. It just talks about being in love. 
It just talks about doing good. It just talks about riding in your pickup on Friday night and listening to the crickets chirping while you clean your toenails out. No, it don't. It's coming from somebody. He said, let everything that hath breath, you say it. Praise ye the Lord. Now, I don't have a hard time understanding that. By the way, is it getting hard yet? It's a hard saying yet. Oh, it's hard. I feel it. It's so hard, it's bouncing back this morning. Jesus said, if you do this, not only will you be a lover of worship and you'll start thumping the devil like this, but you're also going to have a love for this right here. This is very hard because you'll sing when you won't read your Bible. You'll listen to Caleb when you won't read your Bible. I'm holding this thing up. It's a thing of the past. It's called a Bible. Go to your great, great grandma's house and there might be a big family Bible on her table. They about start dwindling away. They dwindled away. I don't know if you can go to your grandma's house, but if you go great, 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 you know where people walk with God? Y'all hear me? Yeah. I knew this was going to be long today, and I'm not sorry. The, the devil tried to tell me, you don't need to read all the Bible verses. Uh, don't read the Bible in church? What's up with that? <laughs> Let's get Farmer's Almanac out and just see we can do well with that. How about that? You got to have a love for the Word. Thy Word, here we go. Thy Word have I hid in my heart. In order to do that, you got to get pretty familiar with it, folks. If you're going to hide it, it can't be a coffee table, gigantic coaster, remote holder. You, you've got to really fall in love with it if you're going to hide it. But he said, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Of course the devil don't want you to read the Bible. The last thing is weeping. So you got your word, your worship, your word, and your weeping. Weeping may endure for the night. We think all kinds of things when we read that scripture. But he said, David said, but joy comes in the morning. You know what that sounds like to me? An all-night prayer meeting. That's a hard saying. Right? <laughs> that's a hard saying right there, ain't it? I, 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 let me just back up. That, that's kind of that's like hardcore. That's gangster right there. That's gangster hard. So I'm going to back up. One-hour prayer service, when we have one-hour prayer service. Or five minutes in the morning before you touch the TV. Worship, word, and weeping. If you put those three things together in your life, you're eating Jesus. He's not a side to you anymore. He's not something that you grew up hearing about. And you've been a veteran Christian a lot, so you can kind of get by with stuff now. Uh-uh. Oh, no, no, no. No, sir. The longer you've been a Christian, the more you ought to be in love with Jesus. The longer you've been a believer, the more of a worshiper you ought to be. The longer you have enjoyed the grace of God, the more of His Word you ought to have in your heart. The longer you've been a believer, oh, the more weeping you ought to be one of the ringleader of prayer warriors. This morning we're going to pray. And I want you to think about a menu as we pray this morning. Now, you can, you, can, you can appease your pride right now or you can get real with the Lord, not with me. I'm through with what I'm supposed to do with this message. This is between you and the Holy Ghost now. This is between you and the Spirit. I, I'm through with what I was told to do. You've got a menu sitting in front of you. The Lord knows now. I'm telling you folks, don't play with this today. The Lord knows. The menu's in front of you. And what I want you to do mentally in your mind, you've got to be honest. I want you to put on that menu, I want you to list the five main dishes you've been eating. Five. Oh, you got a lot more? I do too. 
But it, it's not Jesus. Now, I'm telling you, we, we, can, we can play all churchy and full of pride and, and arrogance all we want to, but Jesus is not one of those five. He's not. I know that's a hard saying, but he's not. How can you say that? You're judging. No, I ain't. If Jesus was the only thing on your, you would be ringing wet with the Holy Ghost. You can't hide that. I would be too. Oh, I study and prepare. I put a message together. I do what I'm told to do. I say what I'm told to say. I ain't ringing wet with Jesus. I ain't ringing wet with the Holy Ghost. If I did, I'd go to Rick and Barbara Hilder's house right now. I'd go up there and say, James, you want to see your mama right now? I, I'd, I'd go to Wagram. I'd, I'd help Brother Brewer open that church back up. Then I'd go over to East Laurenburg, and I'd just go through neighborhoods. If, I, if Jesus was, and I'd be ringing wet with the Holy Ghost, I'd just speak, and in the name of Jesus, stuff would happen. Just give me the manna. Just give me the fish. I'll put him down there on the side. What's your five? You got five on there. You got five things that you live for every day of your life. There's five things on there. If this wasn't important, I'd just say we're going to move on. But the Spirit of God is on me right now, so heavy, and I'm doing what I'm told because I had not planned this. What's your five things? I'm not going to give you like clues. You know what they are. You know what you talk about to other people more than you talk about Jesus. You know what you make sure gets done or gets bought or you do it all the time religiously. There's five things in your life. I'm closing my eyes and I'm going to invite you to close your eyes too. Father, I no longer want you to be a side. I no longer want you to be just a little dish that I pull out when I want some fish, when I want some manna. When I want to see a sign, Lord, I'm not doing that to you no more, Lord. I'm not doing that to the earth no more. You said whom the sun sets free, they're free indeed. Lord, and I, in the name of Jesus, I want you to have every ounce of me. I want you, God, in the name of Jesus, to have every part of my thought life, my schedule, my worship. I want you to be so much in me and on me that I'm constantly hiding your word. And when somebody asks me something, I'm quoting your word. I'm not giving somebody my opinion or what I just heard or read on the Internet. I'm telling people what you say. And God... I commit to being a weeper, a prayer warrior. In these last days, God, I'm going to do what you did, Jesus. The closer you got to the cross, the more you found a place to pray. The closer we get to the return, the more we need to pray. So, Father, be glorified in this place. Be glorified in my life. Be glorified in this church and in this earth. And I'm about to trade these five things in for the only thing in Jesus' name. Amen.